0: Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. Well, welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. And I'm here with my new friend, Tyler Thompson, I'm excited about uh, getting an opportunity to have a conversation with Tyler. He is highly, highly recommended by our friend, uh, Drew, that was on our podcast with us. Uh, I guess if you go back and listen, it's probably about four or five weeks ago that Drew was on and and sharing and uh, spoke very highly of this man uh, that I'm about to introduce. And I've I've kind of been following him a little bit on social media a little bit, and I'm really intrigued by some of the things that he does with really – music theology and I, I love i love the sound of that and one of the posts that you shared not too long ago tyler i was really intrigued by your breaking down the song promises um and i thought that was really cool really interesting maybe we can talk about that here in a minute but first i wanted to introduce you and welcome you to principles with Corey and logan welcome tyler
1: yeah thank you Corey. appreciate you having me and I would love to talk about that song. We were breaking down Promises by Maver- Maverick City Music. Um, well, first, just a little bit about me. I'm, I'm a pastor of worship and communities at a church uh, called Redemption Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're actually the Arcadia congregation. The way that our, our church is set up, we have it's one church, but we have 10 different congregations. Wow. And it's a really neat way of uh, leading a unified church, but also contextualized for the different cities that we're in. And so it's throughout the state of Arizona, and I'm in the Arcadia, uh, Arizona congregation of Redemption Church. And then I also, I teach uh, as an adjunct professor at Grand Canyon University. Uh, So I'm teaching there both in the College of Theology and also in the uh, College of Arts and Media. Uh, So I get to work both on the theology and the arts side of that university, which is really a blast for me as well. And then, if I have any spare time outside of the time that I spend with my family, um, I also get to direct uh, music direct for musical theaters at a small theater uh, called Actors Youth Theater in Gilbert, Arizona. So a lot of fun things. Uh, my background's always been um, in music. I actually uh, grew up in a sports family. My dad was a baseball scout, and so grew up playing sports, baseball, and basketball. Uh, when I got into junior high, there was uh, uh, a couple of the cheerle- cheerleaders who actually said, hey, how do, what do you think about uh, singing some music? And I thought, well, if it'll make the cheerleaders happy, happy I guess I'll go for it. Uh, so I started singing when I was in junior high and uh, my, my parents had, had made me uh, take piano lessons, which I hated. Absolutely hated it. Um, But now looking back on it, I'm really glad they made me uh, take piano lessons. So started doing music in junior high and high school and and went on to study that in in college, went to Biola University and and studied uh, voice performance there. I got a master's of music at Cal State uh, Fullerton. Uh, And then I uh, went on and got got a seminary degree, master of divinity uh, at Liberty University. Um, and now I'm working on a doctor of ministry with an emphasis in leadership at uh, Denver Seminary. So I've uh, spent a lot of time in both the, the world of theology and the world of music. I'm married uh, to my wife, Liz, 15 years, uh, and we have three kids uh, and the German Shepherd mix. So we're having a fun time living out in Scottsdale, Arizona.
0: Ah, Tyler, I'm just listening. I'm just wondering what else you can fit into your schedule. It's kind of, well, <laughs> how'd you fit in those podcasts is what I'm wondering. No, yeah. That's yeah, awesome, well, I, man.
1: It's a, it's, it's a fun question, um, and actually, uh, I do have an answer because I spent a lot of time in the last three or four years um, studying things like uh, the 80-20 principle, uh, things like essentialism, uh, that book by Greg McKeown, and, um, and, and, and even some of the concepts that, that I know you're familiar with with John Maxwell, uh, some of the ways that we can lean into the most essential things in our schedule. Uh, to be able to maximize uh, sort of the results. So I've, I've spent a lot of time in the last three or four years working on on just schedule management and that kind of thing as well.
0: Yeah. You know, and I, if, if, I think that's a highly important talk, topic to talk about because, you know, we all have 24 hours. We talk about that all the time. Everybody knows that. And yet some people, I know some people that they work hard, work long, yet they're not very productive. And then you see some people <laughs> that, I mean, they're just blowing and going. They're getting things done, yet they still have time to spend with their kids. They still have time to go on date nights with their spouse and do the things that they want to do. I'm just kind of curious about your habits around kind of disciplining your schedule. Uh, On our podcast, for those that are familiar with, I've shared a little bit about the things that I do and how important that is. But I, I always love hearing uh, from other people. So I'd love to hear maybe some of the disciplines you do around uh, maximizing your time.
1: Sounds great. Uh, so there there's that old adage, right? If you want to get something done, ask a busy person. Uh, and I, I learned that growing up. Um, there's a, there was a, a teacher in high school that that shared that with me. And I, so I started to observe some people around me that were just uh, hard workers and people that were busy doing things. And, and I kind of wanted to Learn from their example. Um, a number number of years ago, I was moving. Uh, my family and I have moved around a little bit, and so I was moving back to California, actually. Um, and uh, there was an elder at the church that I was going to be working at. That that he uh, was helping us move into our place there in California, and and uh, here. There was. I had a piano. I've got a big piano that I like to move around with me because it's 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 like my best friend. No, it's not my best friend, but uh, it's it's one of my my favorite things that we have in our home. Um, and so I, I was just tr- grunting with all my might, trying to move this piano out of the truck, the moving truck, into our house. And and uh, this elder looked at me, and he and he and he showed me uh, the the ramp that I was not utilizing. And he showed me the uh, the, uh, diff- the the dolly that I was also not utilizing, and he said, "Hey Tyler, work smarter, not harder." And I thought to myself, "Man, this is this is this elder in my church is already teaching me. I've been here five minutes, and this guy is teaching me already from with a practical example." Uh, that, that oftentimes we can get all the passion in the world headed in a direction and we're working as hard as we can, uh, but we need to think how to work smarter than harder. So there's a co- couple of philo- philosophical things that I've, that I've learned along the way. And then certainly some, some rhythm and, and practices. Uh, the, other, the other example that I would use is this is um, a number of years ago, uh, I kept on feeling like God was, was actually cutting things out of my schedule for me that there were things that in my in my schedule that I liked doing that were probably good things, but that he was just closing doors for left and right. Um, And it sort of felt like he was whittling away uh, at a a piece of wood. I was a piece of wood and my schedule was, was this piece of wood, but he's whittling away at the things that that didn't need to be there in my life. And maybe it was a little painful as he was cutting those things out of my schedule. Um, but that in the long run, I've seen that, that those things actually were unnecessary to my life and to my schedule. And so I'd like, uh, I, I'd like to tell people that, 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 that we ought to let God close doors, that we ought to let God cut away things from our schedule and from our lives that don't need to be there. And the reward will be uh, this beautiful sculpture that's left in the end uh, that is exactly designed the way that it should be. Uh, so that's another philosophical thing but then just daily daily habits too um i I like to tell worship leaders and worship students that i that i train that um that sunday morning starts on saturday night um and so uh if if we're going to be effective leaders in 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 the marketplace or effective leaders in in the church um, we really it can't be just sort of a momentary leadership but it has to be a lifestyle of leadership as many people have said um, and that that can can begin the night before. So I, I try not to go to bed too late. I uh, try to get up uh, pr- uh, pretty early. My my kids make sure of that <laughs> that I, that I get up pretty early and, and get going with the day because um, a lot of that work can get can get going. You know, in the f- the first few moments of the day. Uh, habits like figuring out what are the most productive times in my day. Uh, like, am I most productive? You know, right away in the morning. Am I most productive in the afternoon? And leaning into uh, those specific hours that I know that I'm going to be really productive and then just keeping a good calendar. So much of this, I think, comes down to scheduling. Um, You know, I prioritize uh, my family and my my church. And then if I can schedule things uh, on the side around that, um, if I can schedule things with the university, for example, or with the theater, um, those are things that I would love to do, but so much of it comes down to just when can I schedule it in a way that's not going to upset the priorities that I have in my in my life.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and I love that. And those are some of the things that I, I try to do, too. And I talk with people and you can see the look on their faces like, oh, that is just too much work. Why even do that? But it, honestly, w- when you kind of get into it, I, maybe you have some thoughts on this, but usually. What I find is once you kind of get into it, it really doesn't take that long to kind of prioritize my time and and just kind of look at it. But it takes more intentionality than anything. But the return is so, so great. So,
1: yeah, I think that's right. And another another thing that makes me think of is just that we oftentimes can see hard work as an enemy. um, But but I think we're designed To carry a load, you know, none of us should have more more of a load than we can handle, and none of us should have less of a load than we can handle. Um, And so, when I when I when I talk with a lot of uh, leaders in our in our ministry at the church, um, I oftentimes like to share with them that that we ought to carry the appropriate amount of burden for us, and that burden is not a bad thing; it's a good thing. Sometimes we need uh, to take on a few more pounds so that we can grow. Other times we need to take off a few pounds so that we can rest. Uh, But we ought to be looking to carry about the right amount of burden for each one of us. Um, And and we we oftentimes see hard work as an enemy, uh, but really it's a good thing for us. Uh, I was talking with the Grand Canyon University students uh, in a Christian worldview class the other day, and uh, we were talking about just how Heart, work, work was actually there before the fall. When God created the world, work was already there. He, he, he told Adam and Eve, uh, I want you to subdue the earth, fill it, um, rule over it. There was already uh, work that he had for humanity. It's just that it got a whole lot harder after the fall, after man uh, rejected God's will and sinned. Uh, but, but work was not the enemy. Work was always created as something that was good for us uh, to engage with.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. One of the things that I've heard John Maxwell say is that when we empower others, that's one of the things we do as leaders, right, is we empower empower other people and we empower not to simply lighten our load, but so we can lift other things, lift heavier things, right, get to a higher level. And that's kind of what you're talking about. I love that. And that's good. Uh, You know, what I found interesting, you said you you didn't uh, want to take piano lessons, but now your best friend or one of your favorite pieces in your house is the piano. And uh, it all started with that. Hey, the lady said I need to sing. So, Hey, let's sing. right? I like it.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, I, I, and I think that really does correspond to what we were just talking about hard work as well, is that oftentimes we don't see the, the benefits or the fruit of that right away. And so it takes a little bit of time for our, our affections, for our wills, uh, to be able to be sort of conformed to a way where we can understand that it's actually good for us. Um, and, and piano was that way for me, for sure. My parents uh, insisted that I take it. And uh, I started taking lessons when I, I think when I was 10 years old, maybe nine. Um, and they told me that I had to take it until I was 14. And so I'm not sure what the magic number was about 14, but but they wanted to, to, to have me do it consistently enough and for long enough that I think the habits would turn into something that was more uh, beneficial for me long term. And it began to be it was, ama- it was it was the most amazing thing I went from. Uh, really despising my, my piano lessons, to, to tolerating my piano lessons, and then to looking forward to my piano lessons, uh, to where if I wasn't, if I wasn't doing piano, uh, I would miss it. And now sitting down at the piano for me to this day, um, sitting down at the piano to me is, is one of the places that I feel the most home in, in this world is, is sitting down at a piano. And I'm, at, I'm the most at peace oftentimes sitting down and and playing the piano. And um and so it was amazing for me to see that that that's uh that process of going from hating the piano lessons to where now I just absolutely love sitting down at the piano.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That that what happens there when you kind of just become consistent and persist through that. I, I love that transition right there of not wanting to to now where that's where you feel most at home. I think that is awesome. Uh you, so one of the things I do, obviously the people who listen is do leadership and, and, and kind of doing that kind of stuff. I filter everything from a leadership perspective, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love uh is music, listening to music, I love listening to worship music. And I love what they call now. And maybe you got a better term for it, it but the spontaneous, right? So where you kind of blend multiple songs together and it just It seems spontaneous. When I see that, it sounds beautiful and it looks good, but there is everybody's got to be on the same page. Right. I'm assuming there's got to be some leadership there. So any any way you can speak into for those that may not know that maybe they maybe they're used to the the old hymnals, uh, but the spontaneous there and how everybody still has to be on the same page with that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so there's a, a couple of interesting thoughts there about the spontaneous. Um, and by the way, I, lo- I love those moments of worship that are spontaneous and and uh, uh, quote unquote spirit led that, that God is leading us in those moments. So there's a few things that I would say. One is that uh, there is a great deal of practice that goes into the ability to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, there's there are there's a language that musicians learn how to speak to one another. Um, I was listening to, to this uh, talk by a guy named Dr. Jeremy Begbie the other day. He's at Duke University. Uh, and, and he said that, that music is arguably an older art form than language itself. In other words, uh, maybe even prior to de- the development of, of, of certain types of language, uh, there was sort of this idea of, of melody or rhythm or some of the musical language that we talk about, and so musicians, what they do um, is that they actually learn how to communicate uh, through the music in a way that where everybody can can be on the same page with what with what you're doing. And it reminds me too uh, there, there's a book that uh, is recently out, uh, "Canoeing the the Mountains" by Todd Bolsinger. and 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 Todd tells this great story about uh, Lewis and Clark and, and and their their expedition and sort of what they faced when they went off the map. Um, Anyway, Todd says that that you have to learn the rules on the map and you have to learn a good uh, to be a good leader on the map before somebody will trust you going off the map. Um, And I think that there's a similar thing going on there with music is there are a certain number of rules that you learn as musicians uh, patterns that you follow with rhythms and chord progressions and harmony and melody. Uh, that you learn those those rules, and then when you go off the map to where you're being led somewhere by by the spirit, you're being led somewhere by the worship leader that isn't anticipated. Uh, you've already gained this trust and this ability to communicate on the map, and so now you can do that as well in a musical way. Uh, jazz musicians have been doing this for 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 a long time, uh, where people look at jazz musicians and think, how do they how do they improvise that way? How do they work together as a band that way? Uh, but what it is is that you learn the rules, you learn how to communicate with the, the rules, you gather trust with one another um, on the map. And then once you've once you've entered that spontaneous realm, where you're actually away from that anything that's planned, you still have a way of communicating and patterns to follow in such a way that you'll be able to come up with a good result.
0: Wow. You know, that that's incredible, man. There, We talk about trust as the foundation of all leadership. And I mean, I can just imagine you've got all these different musicians there. And if trust is low, how how that just tears everything up. But if that trust is high and I love what you said, uh, learning the rules of the mouth and then you can go off the mouth. that that is that is great. And whenever that if you've been in for those that have listened listening, if you've been in those services where. It is truly spirit led where it feels like it just, man, the music just flows. Uh, I love what you said. There is work that is going on in the background in order to be able to be led like -hmm. that. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think along with that, we oftentimes think that the spirit um, is is only spontaneous. Uh, but I've, one of the things I've learned in in worship leadership all these years is that the spirit is intimately involved in in all the preparation and all the work ahead of time as well. All those times that I'm in the practice room, uh, just banging away on the piano, trying to learn learn notes. Uh, whatever it might be. Uh, the spirit is involved in all of that time as well, uh, leading up to that that time that we have where it's spontaneous and the spirit can surprise us in the moment. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I love that too. And, you know, there are times where I, I, I can relate to that. I, I think about speaking whenever I go and speak in the times where I've been in the moment of, of preparation that allows me to get up on the stage or whatever I do, the platform to be able to do those kind of things and improvise. But if I haven't done the work behind the scenes, then it can't really do that. It feels rigid and stuff.
1: So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I kind of, kind of wanted to ask you too, a a little bit about, um, so you go into the university there. Can you talk a little bit about that? How did, like, is that something that you've always wanted to do as far as uh, teach on that kind of level? Or how did you get to get to that point in your career?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, and and I'll share a little bit too about, about this uh, Promises experience we had in the classroom as well, because it ties in. Um, so, I've always enjoyed the life of academia and I'm sort of a glutton for punishment when it comes to school. Uh, You know, I did, I did the math, the dual master's degrees, one in one in music and one in, in uh, master divinity. Um, And, and that's really how I gained this love for matching theology and the arts is is working with those two things together. But with that, yeah, I really fell in love with uh, both the church and with the university or the life of the, the mind and um, for a number of years now have had opportunities in, in both uh, arenas. Uh, I think that I probably always will have kind of one foot in the church and one foot in the university and, and maybe a third foot in the theater if I, if I, if I could have a third foot. Um, but I ab- absolutely love the way that the, the life of the mind, the, the university um, is, is training people uh, to be leaders in these various areas and then and the church, I believe, is doing this in another way as well. So it seems to me kind of two sides to the same coin. Uh, so when I was in, in my in my 20s and I was uh, sort of sort of trying to find my way as a musician, as a as a minister, um, as an artist was was looking for a kind of direction with that. Um, had an invitation uh, to, to come back and teach a little bit at Biola University and I graduated from there. This was after I had, had finished my master's, my first master's of, of music. And so I, I found that, that the classroom setting that was, uh, yes, I got to teach, but that it was discussion based, that it was participatory uh, that it was something that that we as a group could work on these concepts together, just found a real love for the classroom and the small group and the idea of, of working on a, a project together where we are all going to be learning from one another. Uh, spent a lot of time in a program at Biola called the Tory Honors uh, College or the Honors Institute, uh, where they were it was based on the Socratic method of, of, of teaching, where you're asking a lot of questions, you're having a dialogue in a way that's encouraging everybody to learn together there's something there that, that you don't oftentimes get on a Sunday morning during a sermon. And, and so I really enjoy it. Um, and then the sermon is good in its own right. Uh, but I also really appreciate this interactive atmosphere in the classroom uh, that can help us to learn together. And so I got started teaching at Biola, ended up teaching at a number of different universities in Southern California, and have been really thankful to have the opportunity at Grand Canyon here as well.
0: Wow, that's awesome, man. Uh, i Have you ever seen, um, this just kind of came to me, there's a new movie out, it came out recently, but the Jesus Music movie, have you seen that?
1: You know what, I haven't seen it yet, um, but I know a couple of the guys that are in it, um, and recently did some, so um, I I think you're aware I've got a a, a worship album coming out, Uh, it's actually, um, a number of the songs are actually already available now on Apple Music and on Spotify, um, but I did some recording uh, with a couple of the guys that are involved in that or that th- they're telling the story of them. So one guy is is Billy Smiley. Uh, Billy Billy was in a band called uh, White Heart, which was which was one of the original uh, rock and roll uh, Christian bands. Um, and uh, and then also the lead the lead singer of, of Petra. Um, we, we got to do uh, uh, some work together as well. And um, and so some of those guys that were involved with some of the beginnings of the Christian uh, music uh, movement, I uh, got to do some recording with them this last year in Nashville. And uh, it was a total blast. And they've been talking up this movie coming out, but I haven't seen it yet. Did you get to see it?
0: I have, man. it's really incredible. And, and the reason I bring it up is I, I have a question I wanted to ask you about uh, real quick. But what's really interesting was the history is kind of the history of, of our music, yeah, and it, it kind of started with the Jesus People movement uh, in the early 1900s, where you know you've got these hip or whenever it happened, uh, they, these people coming to Jesus, um, and they they brought music in, and their their music was a little bit different than our normal style. And then how the the overall church wasn't really receptive to it until Billy Graham invited them to one of his crusades, and and that kind of pushed the forefront and opened it up. Well, then there was another phase that happened, which was the rock and roll kind of Christian music. And that was really like, ooh, I don't know about that. And then the Toby Max and and DC Talk came out. And that was very much, ooh, I don't know about that, until Billy Graham invited them to one of his crusades. And then it would open the door. What was really interesting about that was kind of the phases that Christian music went through, and how there was resistant to it, but Billy Graham opened up the door twice to yeah. different phases of the, the the, you know, the Christian style and the contemporary style. And I, I'll tell you, I guess this is my thought, and you can you can correct me, right? I feel like music is almost on the the more forefront of what what's happening in the church. It, hmm. uh, I don't even know how to word that, but I guess my question to you is with being in the church and also being in the music industry, kind of where do you see the music going from a contemporary Christian music side, I guess?
1: Yeah, it's really good. Um, Okay. So a few thoughts there. One is that, yeah, music has oftentimes been at the forefront of what is going on in in, in the church. Um, And if you look at, if you look in the, in the old Testament, and the new Testament, there's no, it's no surprise that that's going to be the case. Uh, You see, you see throughout the old Testament um, song in response to who God is and what God has done. You see it uh, in in the military uh, as as the the armies are going out to in various uh, battles. You see musicians on the on the front lines of those battles, and of course the famous story of of uh, God's people uh, walking around Jericho and blowing trumpets and the wall coming down. Uh, God has always used uh, music uh, in a very special way. Uh, in the life of his people. And so it's not, it's not any surprise then uh, that that would be the case for us today as well. You know, in the New Testament, um, there's in in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5, there's talk about uh, teaching one another through song. Uh, There's an amazing, there's an amazing phrase there where when I think of teaching, I oftentimes think about just the spoken word but the instruction from Paul to the churches there is that they would that that, that we would teach through singing, mm-hmm. um, not only to God, but to one another, that there's a way that we're actually. Um, encouraging one another as the body of Christ through song. And so this music is has been at the forefront of God's people for all of history. And it's no surprise that actually that that would be the case nowadays as well. It's also no surprise that we would have um, arguments over it, that, that there's the famous worship wars that went on, like you, like you talked about how the church... Uh, did not accept a lot of this music initially until a leader like Billy Graham was that, hey, hey, this is okay. We can actually worship to this music. Um, uh, I I think that what has happened with the church more recently is that on the post side of the worship wars, where we've put some of those arguments aside about whether or not we're going to use uh, the drums or whether or not the the music is going to be hymns or praise choruses, We've put some of that aside, and the result has been these sort of beautiful, missional, spiritual transformative uh, worship environments um, where, where churches are really utilizing the power of worship music to be a spiritually formative thing, that the Spirit of God would use these things uh, to bring people uh, into a conformity with His will, into alignment with what He has for the church, and so many of these these uh, these these worship um, environments, and 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 actually, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about Maverick City music, uh, Maverick City is one of the places where this is happening in such a powerful way, uh, where you see these these. Uh, Cultures and these environments of worship where people are are thirsting, hungering and thirsting thirsting after the spirit of God, hungering and thirsting after the spirit of God in such a way that they just want to spend time in worship with God and with one another. Um, And so uh, I, I promised that I would get to this song, Promises. Uh, But that's a song that actually our church has started to use in in a number of settings, uh, Redemption Church, and it's become one of our favorite songs to lead. Uh, That God's faithfulness is shown throughout uh, generation to generation, that it's shown throughout culture to culture, that God's work and faithfulness in this world uh, is something that is now even shown to us in our culture in this time and this place. And Maverick City has done this beautiful thing where they're inviting other worship uh, organizations into their space. And they're doing a lot of collaboration uh, across generations. I mean, across uh, specific denominations, mm-hmm. across specific churches to where it, it's less about uh, any one particular group and more about this God who we're worshiping. And we're doing that as unified body together. And so one of the things that I think that the worship movement nowadays with spontaneous music is able to do is that it's able to actually help us set aside some of our divisions, some of the things that actually d- divide us as the body of Christ and bring us together as a unified body, as a unified people, um, so that so that God would be glorified in that way.
0: Wow, that's, that's awesome. You know, now that you say that, you've got, um, there's several of them. I see the Maverick City, and even I see Elevation Worship doing a little bit of that. Bethel's doing a little bit of that. Um, that's great. Upper Room, you know, they're doing a lot of the collaboration where uh, I see that. Man, that is awesome. That's so, awesome. Sorry.
1: Here's one thing, Corey, about why I think this works. Um, uh, if God is the creator of the world, then he has instilled in creation this music that we all discover. We co-create it with him. Yes, we write music. We, we, we find out ways to use various instruments and all of that. But we're discovering Uh, this art form that is already reflecting the goodness and the truth and the beauty of God. And in that, um, the whole world is going to be able to respond to those things. Like the whole world wants to respond to goodness and to truth and to, to beauty. There's a reason that kids just naturally dance when they hear music going is because God has instilled in this world, in this creative order, he has instilled music there in such a way that we would respond to it as this universal language that we're talking about. So it actually supersedes some of the divisions that we have, even by language or or culture or age or background. Uh, This music is a tool that God really can use uh, to supersede all of those possible divisions. And of course. Uh, We're so good at being divided by it that we want to fight about it anyway, Uh, but I I love what's happening uh, in in the in the in these settings where they're utilizing music as a way to unify people and bring glory glory to God so in the classroom and I'll just this is the last thing I'll say about promises and because now I've just been thinking about it our whole conversation. Uh, one of the things that we're doing in the classroom and that particular class was a music theory class for worship majors. And so it's talking about various chord structures, types of chords, types of intervals, types of rhythms uh, that we're using in order to communicate a story. And, and I think the best worship places in that day in the class, we were talking about what story is being communicated, not only through the words, but through what is happening in the music itself. And and I think that that communication, uh, a good composer in Maverick City has done this. They've been able to set this story about God's faithfulness with a a melody and a chord structure and with rhythms and dynamics that are actually going to communicate that in a way that even some of the the hardest of hearts, God's going to use that music by his spirit to open up and soften these hearts.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah. So I love that song, but man, you you add so much depth to it. See, I don't know anything about music, but you added so much depth there for me. And uh man, it, the way you explain it is so true. Uh yeah. so I like well, we that song. Re-
1: we resonate, we resonate with with music in a way that we do with with far little, far, far other thing or far few other things. Uh, everybody has a story about a song that one time it's why we get nostalgic when we hear the one song that we knew 30 years ago. And, um, and, and, and we, we, we tend to actually be moved by music in a way that few other things do move us.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I I love to, one of the things you mentioned too, and it, it, that's kind of what had me thinking into this. I watched the Jesus music movie. And then I also started recognizing what you said in the new Testament and in the old Testament that you know, the Old Testament says Judah goes first where they are the worshiping group, right? And and how worship does go first. And it's had me started to paying more attention to the words and the melody and those kind of things of newer songs that are coming out. And I, I tell you, just what I see, the overarching theme of some of the songs that are coming out right now is this, this theme of a deepening intimacy with Jesus. That's what it feels like. The overarching theme is is a a call back to our first love and that intimacy with Jesus. So anyway, that's uh, kind of what I'm seeing right now. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's beautiful, and and I do think that there is that call, and God is using the musicians in a way that He has throughout history. Just one more thing that I'll share there is that um, there's this beautiful passage in First Samuel 16 uh, about how David's playing the lyre for for Saul. And um, and so it, tell, it talks about how David had had been chosen uh, to be to be God's uh, to be Israel's king um, that don't look at don't don't pay attention to what David looks like. It says because God God pays attention to the heart. Uh, that's what the first part of the passage says. And so there's that intimacy that you're talking about is that David was a man after God's own heart and God wants his, uh, us as his people to be to be intimately involved with him in in relationship. But then it's fascinating right after that, the passage describes how David was handsome handsome and had beautiful eyes and was really gifted with music. And so I I think to myself, well, why why is it that we are not supposed to look at his appearance, but then we describe his appearance and talk about how good he is about uh, music. Well, it turns out that God does care about our heart and he also cares that out of our heart would flow this excellence that reflects him. And so David gets picked to be Saul's musician well before he gets picked to be Saul's warrior. And that's a fascinating thing that, 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 that we see in the life of, of, of David is that he gets in a, put in a position to play music for Saul long before he ever goes out to the battlefield uh, to, slay, to, to slay Goliath. And God used that excellence at his craft musically to be able to work his purposes through David and ultimately in the, in the nation of Israel as as a way that would be this this transforming process for the people. It's really cool.
0: Wow, that's awesome, man! Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I love that. Well, um, Tyler, I want to ask you. So you you mentioned earlier that you have some new songs, new album coming out, and uh, I would love to hear maybe the inspiration behind that. Can you tell us a little bit about behind the scenes of yeah. why you wrote what you wrote and those kind of things? I, I'd love to hear the backstory there.
1: Absolutely. So there's two different. Um, Projects coming out. One, one. I was working on a project called Decades, and um, that was sort of. I've spent now uh, been involved with worship music for for about 27 years, and um, and so I'm I'm now. My, my my kids think that I'm one of the old guys. Uh, my church still thinks that I'm I'm on the younger side, but uh, so I so I feel like I'm right in that that prime part of my life where I get to actually reflect on both generations, but. Um, I've worked on this project called Decades uh, of Worship, and it's, it's actually taking some of the best songs uh, from each of the decades and uh, putting a new arrangement to them, uh, something that would actually hopefully um, sound fresh in this, in this world, and, and it could be used by churches today. Uh, and so we took some of the best music from, from the 60s and the 70s, the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. And then I, I'm writing new music as well. Um, but uh, that's how I got involved also with some of those guys from from Whiteheart and, and Petra, uh, John Schlitt of Petra and, and, and Billy Smiley of Whiteheart uh, is because we actually they, they were they were some of the kings of music during those 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 eras. And if, uh, if they were fabulous to work with and if you actually see them, you could tell that they were they, they were from that era because they still carry themselves very much so as as, as though they were that was their heyday. Um, But they were great guys to work with. And so we recorded some good music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and so on. And then I'm writing music as well uh, to add to that. But those are available on Spotify. Those are available on Apple Music at this time. And they'll be available by CD later this year, if any of you are still CD listeners. Um, And then the second project is actually uh, we're writing uh, all originals in our in our worship uh, ministry at, at Redemption Church Arcadia and so there's a, um, uh, it's called Arcadia Worship. That's the that's the name of the group. And and we have an album of, of, of worship songs coming out this year as well. Those will start to be available in about a month. Um, and so um, my my music is out on uh, Spotify and Apple Music at Tyler Scott Thompson. And then the um, Arcadia Worship uh, has music as well on Apple and, and Spotify Music starting next month.
0: Awesome. Well... So by the time this podcast comes out, that would probably uh, be out and available. So as you're listening to this, uh, that that is at this time, probably out at this point. So that is awesome. Well, um, Tyler, you added a a ton of value to our listeners. I love love what you're doing. You got got any other thoughts or anything to add value to um, any last thoughts on adding value to anybody who may be listening to Kind of from a music standpoint, I'll be honest with you, most of the people that would come on here are, are leaders, entrepreneurs, and, and they're kind of more in the faith or business or more business lane. And mm-hmm. I found it very intriguing to what you've talked about on the music side. I, I love that. And even the academic side as well. So any, any other last thoughts?
1: Well, thanks. I would just uh, say from, for those who are in positions of leadership, uh, to note that there's, there's rarely a person in this world who has not been touched by music in some way. Uh, what, regardless of what we're doing in this life, oftentimes we have some sort of story with music, some sort of uh, passion about what we like to listen to. Uh, so I would just want us to actually pay attention specifically to what is happening in the music that we're listening to why it affects us the way that it does. And that'll give us great insight into what's happening with the people around us. And so if we listen carefully and attentively to a person who's sharing about their musical interest or about a musical background or something that they experienced with music, it can tell us a great deal about what's happening with that person themselves. And that's always a helpful tool for us as leaders.
0: Mm, that's awesome. I, I love that. So even personally, you, you mentioned listening to something, and maybe something moves you in that. And it's mm. why what, what 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 within that is moving you. And uh, I, I love that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, one last note there is that on, we there. oftentimes so we oftentimes so often. Uh, just describe music as something we like or we don't like. And that's actually one of the worst ways that we can uh, talk about music, because then it's all about our preference and it's all about uh, this style or that style or, or what it feeds me. Um, and a better question really is to ask what's happening here. Um, with this music that is moving us in a certain way and what is that telling me about myself and those around me in such a way that we can actually grow together and add value like you said
0: yeah so one other question I have for you on that so somebody's listening to music and and then some kind of stirring they feel moved what kind of answers do you think they'll find by digging into that what can they discover about themselves if they dig into those questions
1: Wow, that's that's really good. Uh, so in my, in my Christian worldview class at Grand Canyon University, we like to tell the whole story of, of, of the Bible. We like to tell the whole Christian narrative uh, that God created the world. Uh, and we oftentimes tell it in these four acts, sort of like four movements. God created the world. We made a mess of it in the fall. Uh, He made a way of salvation in redemption of Jesus Christ. And then one day he will restore all of creation for eternity. So there's these four acts that we talk about with music. Interestingly enough, oftentimes the Christian worldview models the uh, parallels the, the world of music in this. If you listen to music, it does this same thing. We sort of start with a home base uh, in, in creation, there's sort of a fundamental key that we start with, with certain pitches that, that tell us that we've begun somewhere. And then oftentimes we go away from that where there's sometimes a conflict involved or there's a minor chord or there's dissonance in the music to where we feel some sort of tension there uh, that, that, that relates to this period of the fall that we've talked about. And then oftentimes there's some sort of climax to the music where this is the most exciting thing that is happening. Uh, and, and we can relate that to this sort of resolution of the conflict where, where, we, where we see that follow and parallel what happened with, with Christ and the cross. Uh, and then and then eventually there'll be this restoration where we we kind of come back to home base again. But it's not the same home base. There's there's kind of like a we've gone through this journey together. And so our new home actually reminds us of our first home. But it's it's somehow better because we've gone through this whole journey. That's what music does as we listen to a piece is that we actually go through this journey that reminds us and tells tells us of this, this story that actually the Bible talks about all throughout history that we've been created by this good God We've gone through a turmoil and trouble. Uh, We've been redeemed through the cross of Christ. And then there's a restoration coming one day. Music actually walks us through that process in a short amount of time, oftentimes even three or four minute song. It takes us through that kind of a journey and it resonates with all kinds of stuff in us to where we actually consider and ponder how we've been going through that journey as well.
0: Wow, that's incredible, man. That is good stuff. So music. It's not just words and rhythms just randomly put together. It's a journey. That's right. I love that. That's, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, that's good. Tyler, man, that, that is incredible. Um, hey, Tyler, if anybody wants to connect with you or, or find out more about you or, or get your music, I know you've, you've said it can, it can be found on Spotify and iTunes and those kind of things, but if somebody would like to connect with you, what, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: So I have, I have a website, Corey. It's tylerscottthompson.com. So uh, people can go to tylerscottthompson.com, and you can check out um, the music that I have coming out there, as well as there's a way to contact me there. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can you can find me there as well. Um, on Instagram, it's tst voice and keys. So you can find me there, and it's Tyler Thompson Tenor on Facebook. Um, so we'd love to connect with people through the website or, or through, uh, social media, um, be happy to, to respond to folks there as well.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, we'll also have that in the show notes there. You guys that want to connect with him, uh, we'll have the links there. You can just simply click on it and connect with Tyler there. And Tyler, and you've added a ton, a ton of value. Absolutely loved uh, getting to hear your story, but also the, the great depth of wisdom and knowledge that you shared from the music uh, aspect. And I uh, just love hearing that. So thank you for taking the time out of your day and adding value to us today, Tyler.
1: Well, likewise, Corey, I enjoyed the conversation with you. Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, guys, thank you guys for taking a listen. I hope today has added value to you. If uh, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and comment uh, below. Uh, make sure you subscribe so you can stay up to date on any of the upcoming episodes. And also, if there's something that Tyler mentioned that really stood out to you, comment below. We'll make sure to share that with him. Or if you have questions and uh, those kind of things, we will forward that to him and get you in touch with him that way. So we appreciate you and we hope you guys have a great day and God bless. Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself, audit yourself, and change your life? Hey guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment, please subscribe, give us a rate and review on your listening platform, and hey, we value your feedback and it helps others find us.